we're finding candidate is king because there aren't as many candidates as we would normally see or like to see on the job market looking for a new role. A lot of confidence from employees in the region in hiring, both temporary and permanent jobs, but there's a supply and demand issue right now. Hello, I'm James Marriott and welcome to the Unlimited podcast, connecting business across South Yorkshire. Every month we bring you exclusive interviews and get under the surface of the stories you read about in the magazine. Today we're talking about recruitment. Now look, it's been a really crazy 18 months, hasn't it, in so many ways. Now we find ourselves in a situation where recruitment is harder than ever. Skilled candidates are really, really in demand. And if the news is to be believed, there's a bit of a major shortage out there. So in this episode, I'm chatting to Rob Shaw from Glue Recruit in Sheffield to find out exactly what the situation is here in South Yorkshire. And if you're a business looking to attract new staff, Rob's got five top tips to give you the best chance of securing that perfect candidate. Later, Unlimited's Head of Sales, Dan Laver, is here. He's talking to Rich Davies from Highlander Computing Solutions and Features Editor Jill Theobald will be here too, chatting to another Jill, Jill Thomas, from Future Life Wealth Management. The Unlimited podcast is hosted by Captivate.fm, the easiest way to create and distribute your podcast. And it's produced and edited by Sound Media. Visit wearesoundmedia.com. If you'd like to find out how a business can help your business grow, then we can help you do that. Drop me a line, james at unlimitedbusiness.com. That's james at unltdbusiness.com. Now, let's talk about recruitment in the new normal. Hi, I'm Rob Shaw. I'm the Managing Director at Glue Recruit. Rob, so we've just been through uh, an unusual 18 months in in the world, really, particularly, uh, obviously, you know, what, what, what we're thinking about what's been going on around Sheffield. And there were predictions of all kinds of issues with the jobs market being, you know, an absolute utter disaster after everything that, that that's happened. And yet I kind of hear stories about, you know, recruitment at the moment really kind of booming and 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 a lot of businesses actually struggling to get in the staff that, that they want. Um, shed a bit of light on this for us, if you would do. What is the situation right now that you're seeing? So um, the pandemic has been a period of, of change and continues to change all of the time. Um, it, it, it's really flipped from at the very beginning being a candidate heavy market where, there's, where there were loads of people right at the very beginning of the pandemic looking for jobs to where we currently are, which is a very candidate short market and labour is certainly in, in short supply. That's across all industry sectors. So we're finding kind of candidate is king is very much a, a, a statement that's being banded around at the moment because there aren't as many candidates as we would normally see or like to see on the current job market looking for a new role, but there are plenty of vacancies available. A lot of confidence from employees in the region in hiring, you know, both temporary and permanent jobs, but they're just, there's a supply and demand issue right now, for sure. Why, why do you think that is then? Why do you think that there are so many people out there who aren't looking to change jobs right now is, is 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 that kind of a knock-on of what we've been through over the last 18 months and maybe people being worried about losing that job security i think it's a it's a culmination of things really um i think it's fair to say the labor market is is taking a while to settle down on the back of the pandemic typically pandemics 
um, accelerate social and economic change. And in particular, in the last year, um, as one segment of candidates, the, the COVID pandemic has prompted a lot of foreign workers in the UK to return home to kind of sit things out. And I guess at the moment, we can't be sure that um, some of those are going to come back. So certainly from the warehouse perspective, a lot of warehouse roles are filled um, by European workers and they're hard workers, they're grafters, but we've definitely lost a portion of that. I think an obvious one is the furlough scheme and the extension on extension on extension of that scheme it currently is running till the end of september um and, and it, it sounds like it's pretty much going to finish at the end of september which um i guess is good and bad news in some ways because there's a lot of candidates that have been furloughed right from the start of the pandemic who are waiting on a, on a decision from their employer about if they're returning to work and if they are in what capacity so and on the back of that there's some decisions to be made from the candidate around whether they want to return to work so certainly the furlough scheme in the pandemic, when people were furloughed, there were rules around the furlough scheme. And if you were to move jobs, though, after I think it was October last year, you lost the right to be furloughed if the government shut the country down again. So a lot of candidates or many candidates thought that it was too big a risk to move job at that point, even if they were unhappy for whatever reason because of the uncertainty around another another lockdown so i think there's many reasons and i suppose the final one which is an obvious one is people are just incredibly nervous you know who it's been very unpredictable no one could have predicted all the things that have happened so i think now we've lost a bit of predictability and people are very nervous to move from a job that they are maybe unhappy in to a brand new company when when the country is very uncertain Okay, Rob. I mean, we, we, we're going to go through your your top tips for for recruiters and for for businesses that are looking to uh, to recruit in in a moment. Um, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, if you were a betting man, how do you kind of see this playing out now? Then, as we get towards the end of September and you know the furlough scheme ending, and certainly what I picked up from what you were saying there is that the overriding theme was kind of uncertainty. That that's that's kind of uh, sort of uncertainty about several things causes the situation that we find ourselves in. As perhaps we start to see some of that uncertainty become a little bit more settled, what do you think is going to happen? How do you think the market will change? It's a tricky one to answer that because, again, who you'd like to think prior to the pandemic, I think life and, and your job and everything was pretty predictable. You could kind of you could kind of guess on a day-to-day -day what, what your day would look like. There might have been some random factors or things thrown at you where you thought, well, I didn't see that coming or that's never happened before. But this was obviously a big deal. So um, I think it's fair to say we are in the pains of the pandemic exit at the moment and it's quite a prolonged pain. Um, I think some people would say that this is just a temporary post-pandemic rut and it's just a time thing and we'll come out of it and we'll live obviously we've lived with this for 18 months and once we've kind of lived on the other side of it for as long if not longer perhaps things will go back to what we were, were a bit more normal before um i think you know furlough kept people in their jobs so it's, it's gonna it's, it's certainly gonna change because i don't think that will be the case um i think we're just gonna have to see if it's a long-term permanent change or just a short-term pain if you like after the pandemic 
it's certainly going to be interesting, isn't it, to see how things do sort of pan out and what changes and whether or not, you know, we, we find ourselves straight back to how things used to be or, or whether there is this kind of, yeah, new normal or kind of blended kind of approach that we hear about when people talk about so many parts of um, of business. I'm really interested then in your top tips. So we're, we're thinking here particularly about businesses that are looking to recruit in what is a, a difficult time for, for, for them to find the right person. So I think you've got five tips for us. So let's take the first one. So I think at the moment, it's fair to say that the candidate marketplace um, is tricky and employers will certainly find that if they try and advertise themselves or even to be honest going via a recruitment agency things aren't as quick as they normally are in terms of giving a vacancy to getting candidates to interview and also counter offers are incredibly high because employers know that by losing their staff they're going to be very very difficult to replace so i think um, my first one is make sure if you're going to go into the current marketplace to hire that you are ready and able to act quickly if you're in a situation where you can't interview for two weeks i wouldn't start the recruitment process until much closer to the time when you can be available to interview candidates can put their cv online and within a couple of hours have four job interviews so you've got to be quick and ready to act wow and uh, i mean there you're talking there about you know really tight timescales and, and having to move really fast. I, I didn't appreciate just how quick you, you, you need to kind of move in um, in the current situation. So that's, that's really interesting. Good tip. All right, what's number two? The second tip is to have a strategy for, for counter offers. So bearing in mind that employers at the moment are going to want to hold on to their good people and knowing that they're going to be difficult to replace even more so, um, for employers to have a strategy for managing counter offers so that could be an acceptance that if this candidate's good and i want to offer them the job the likelihood is their current employer is going to offer them so what what am i going to do about that if that happens now it might be that you're not prepared to do anything previously you know i've heard employers say well if they want this job they'll come to us and if they really want to work for this business it won't the counter offer won't matter but you can be talking now with counter offers you know 10 sometimes 15 percent um above their base salary so money is quite a significant factor and if people are nervous to move that bit extra money could just make all the difference now counter offers aren't always money related some people you know it's, it's all about people we always say in recruitment it's about people's motivation to move why do you want to leave that job and there's lots of reasons we hear it could be um commute time it could be salary it could be lack of flexibility regarding um, you know, hours, school drop-offs, pickups, that kind of thing. It could be a bad relationship with their manager. It could be no progression. So when we, from a recruitment perspective, we always draw the candidate back to what is their reason for moving. And if it isn't money, we try and discourage them from accepting a counteroffer. Do you think that many companies uh, do have um, strategies for, for stuff like that at the moment? Do you think many think about it? No. No, I don't think so. And I think, I think it's very easy to think, well, if they take the counter offer, we'll just go out back out to market and find someone else. Um, I think as an employer now, you've got to be a lot more proactive and you've got to, when you interview the candidate, you have, if you want that person, you've got to sell your business, you've got to sell your opportunity, your job, you've got to sell what you can do for that candidate, what the, what the progression opportunities are for them, why they should join your business and not any other business. Um, I think there's a, 
a bigger responsibility now on employers in an interview process um, to sell the opportunity and you know to, to fight for the candidate if they want them. I think that's tremendous advice and 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 so true and something I'd never really thought of. You know, I I, I don't recruit anymore, but in my old job, I used to do. Um, and th- there's always that temptation to go always go in with the highest offer, and then you're kind of a little bit stuck, aren't you? So, um, you know, really just thinking about uh, about that stuff so much more strategically makes so much more sense. Brilliant. All right, what's tip number three, Rob? Tip number three is being flexible and working with the current candidate market so um, again as a recruitment agency when clients come to us to recruit they've got a wish list of things that they really want the candidate to have now more often than not the wish lists have got you know five six seven eight nine ten points on them and in a, in a buoyant candidate market you can be selective and you can be picky now i'm not suggesting that people just take anyone or maybe the wrong candidate for the job but in a candidate short market you've got to get creative with if i can't find my perfect match what else could i look at that would be transferable for this role so if for example i mean we're working with a property company at the moment and the property company ideally wants someone with property industry experience now the property market has boomed so that's created a bit of a, a shortage of candidates property experience looking so as an employer you have two choices really if you're going to insist on that property experience you're going to have to wait act quickly as soon as the candidate comes on the market or you can think actually if property candidates are hard come by um what other sectors might people have worked in that would be relevant to the property industry what other jobs do people do that are a similarish job or a similar sales process to our process and then look for people perhaps outside a sector perhaps you could consider a graduate someone you could mold and train yourself um, so it's just be flexible and if you've got a wish list that's got 10 things on it but you interview a candidate that ticks seven of the 10 it's worth really considering that candidate and thinking how important those other three points are and are those things that you can train yeah so so true there and um i mean flexibility is just generally such an important word in, in so many things to do with uh with with business so uh, i think another really good tip All right let's move on to number four yep um number four is Um, Obviously, what the pandemic's taught us is that, well, certainly for most of us, we can still operate business and do our jobs from home. So when we talk to candidates about what they're looking for in their next career move, prior to the pandemic, flexible working, remote working were things that really we only came across primarily in the creative sector because it was relatively normal-ish in that sector. But now, nowadays, it's a big thing because people are used to working from home. They've done their jobs from home. I spoke to a candidate yesterday who was 40% more productive from home than she was in the office. So now it's high on candidates' agenda to have either a fully remote working job, a part and part remote working and office working week, or at the very least, some kind of flexible working option. I think full-time office working is a bit historic now and a bit a thing of the past and it's certainly a thing on candidates wish lists when they're looking for a job so as an employer it's something that you you've got to think about and embrace if you want to attract quality candidates are, are you seeing um many jobs advertised now which are 100 percent office based a lot yeah we are i think a lot of businesses really? are thinking you know we're through the pandemic now 
everyone did well, we coped, let's get back to the office. But my, my view is that I don't think that's the way the world's going to turn. I think, you know, we, we need to be more open-minded and more forward-thinking now. That's not what people want. You're right, and certainly looking towards the the future, it is it is a little bit old hat, isn't it? Kind of thinking about you know nine to five in the office, day after day, weekends off. The the world certainly changed, regardless of of the pandemic. The world's changed over the last few years, and I think there is a generation growing up now that will absolutely expect that flexible working. Um, not just in terms of you know whether you're at home or in the office or a combination of the two, but also in terms of hours that you work and stuff like that is is going to become it, it, it's just going to become expected. It's not even going to, it's not even going to be a perk, is it? It's just going to be the the norm. And 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 businesses that aren't seeing that are just maybe going to get left behind a bit. I think so. I think so. Certainly, when we speak to candidates now, you know, on average, out of ten candidates you speak to, seven of them will ask us the question about what's the working pattern. Am I able to kind of do any flexi start and early finishes? You know, some, we, get, we get asked the question now, how many days a week um, is it from home? Whereas, so it's like an expected thing rather than it being a, so when we say actually it's full time Monday to Friday from the office, you kind of get a, all oh, right, okay, oh, I'm not sure about that, I'll think about it. Whereas previously that was just the normal. So when you talked earlier about returning to the new normal, I don't think that will be part of it. No, I totally agree with you on that one. Brill, four great tips so far. Let's go for number five. So number five is going to sound like a relatively simple one, but it is a bit of a, a pain factor that causes some problems. So if you're going to go into higher in the current marketplace, given the candidate shortage, given how quickly it's moving, obviously, as mentioned earlier, you need to consider how quickly you can act, how quickly you can um, interview, that kind of thing. So it's, it's the process would be my fifth tip around, first of all, making sure that you've got a job advert crafted by the business because they're the best people to write that job advert they understand that business and that job inside out make sure that job advert is crafted well it's it tells you exactly what the job is and what they're looking for in the candidate and also it sells the business it, it tells you all about right at the very top of the job advert why you should want to work for this business and why you should read this job advert um, so you would expect a job spec is just something standard, but some employers haven't written one. Some employers see it as a just a few lines and that'll do the job and then no one will apply and they'll get upset they'll get upset as to why no one's applied. Um, and I think what links onto that is once you've got the job advert live, making sure that the applications are going to the relevant person who has got the time to quickly jump on those applications and call those candidates to book them in for an interview. So there's no point getting a job advert out and not looking at the applications for seven days because the people who've applied will have got jobs. So you need to make sure that your recruitment process is robust. The job advert's good. You've got the applications going to someone. That person can jump on them when they've got them. And then also consider when you bring these people into interview, is it a one stage? Is it on video? Is it face to face? What's the interview process? Who's involved? And um, if it is going to be more than a one stage interview, make sure that those stages are kept close together. Because again, the longer you leave them apart, you'll find yourself in a competitive process where the candidates suddenly got four or five other interviews and it becomes a lot more tricky to get them past the finish line. So it's the, it's, I guess it's a good recruitment process from job spec to sifting through applications to interviews to decisions offers and then again the final bit it sounds basic would be if you offer a candidate the job make sure you get the offer letter and the employment contract out as quickly as possible and ask the candidate to return it to you with a given time scale just so you're trying to keep things controlled through the whole thing 
Yeah, it makes complete complete sense. And and as you say, you know, it does. Some of it probably is should be quite obvious, but without that reminder, you maybe don't think about it. Um, you know, I've 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 previously worked for businesses which had a two stage recruitment process, and sometimes the whole thing would take you know two months. Uh, it sounds like in today's market that would be fairly disastrous. Um, and actually, you know, maybe businesses that have been doing two stage recruitment processes need to have a good think about is is that entirely necessary, or is it is it more prevalent now just to get on with it? Yeah, I, I completely agree. Sometimes and I understand. Sometimes the second stage might be if there's if there's a decision maker who can't be at the first stage. But if that's the case, may, maybe can can that person jump on a video call before the face to face? I don't know. Do you delay the recruitment process so that you can do a one stage interview when that person is there? It's that kind of thing. Um, but we again, so from some candidates we hear, I was offered the job last week, but I've not had anything in the post yet. So again, it just brings a counter offer risk higher, and it, it just you got you got to have a lot of pace and control in the current candidate market. Yeah, and they sound like really good keywords, don't the pace and control? Um, that theme that's come across, I think, in, in all your tips there. Um, Rob, thank you very much because I think there's some brilliant stuff there that that um, I hope will 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 really kind of be useful and and help guide um, businesses now who are looking to recruit in what is an unusual situation, but we've got to assume is going to be like this for the foreseeable future. Um, and certainly stuff that I've not thought about. So um, that's really really useful for us. Thank you for your time and um, thank you very much for your tips and advice, Rob. My pleasure. Thank you. You are listening to the Unlimited Podcast, and by the magic of podcasting, uh, we have now moved out of the studio, and we are we're actually live in person. I'm with Unlimited's head of sales, Dan Laver, and we are at the showroom cafe bar. And uh, your beard is looking very fine there. Yeah, it's nice so. to be able to get together and genuinely compare beard length, yeah, isn't it? It's, good. it's doesn't not something that works quite as well virtually. I, I'm now calling this uh, Dan and Friends segment because uh, every month you uh, you bring along one of your friends, and you've done the, you've done the same. I do. I have nearly four friends, <laughs> and um, I'm really looking forward to introducing to um, everyone over the next few months. But yeah, I'm here today with Rich Davies of Highlander Computing Solutions to give them their full title. Um, but yeah, Highlander are joining Unlimited as our tech columnist over the next few months so I'm really excited to start working with them around content for the magazine so Rich what are the reasons that Highlight have wanted to join Unlimited and, and what do they want to bring to the Unlimited party over the next few months firstly thank you for the introduction and, and friend, friends are we now is that we friends I think we're friends yeah okay fair enough I'll, I'll take that <laughs> broadly uh, yeah I, I'm feeling a bit left out because I haven't got the beard so like you two guys have so I kind of have to deal with just being a clean shaven uh, gentleman at the moment but yeah uh, no yeah it's t- t- on a serious note yeah Highlander have kind of um I suppose I've been looking at uh, working with with you for quite a while, and I wanted to kind of form, formalise it more with with Highlander. And it's, it, I suppose, it's just about us get, getting uh, getting information and uh, useful information and a kind of tech culture run up and running, so we can help businesses and people generally. Because a big thing about Highlander is is people and family. Uh, so we're really big on those. So to be able to kind of just uh, you know get into the magazine and and, and kind of make a Give some information to, to businesses and you know uh, stuff that they can they can use 
useful information. It's an interesting word, and I think you've, I've heard you use it quite a few times when you're talking about Highlander, um, the word family. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really it's really interesting when a company adopts that kind of culture. I mean, Highlander, I think, they're a very Sheffield-based company from yeah. when I've come to see it. Yeah, like yeah. You, yeah. You, your rooms are literally named after, you know, the yeah. classics, Henderson's. Hendo, Hend- Hend- there's Hendo's room, yeah, there's a steel room, there's a tap room. Uh, there's plenty of taps in Sheffield, uh, <laughs> not as in the uh, the water ones, but they're the, the watering holes. So, uh, yeah. And as someone that's reasonably new to Highlander, you only joined them, what was it, in, in, at the back end of April? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So how have you found it, sort of joining them as a company and, and I suppose meeting that culture and, and being part of it? I think for me, it's like kind of, I, when I originally sat with Steve and, and, and Owen, uh, the sales director at, um, at Highlander, was to, was to just have a chat with, with, with them about the business. But you don't always go in and, and kind of look, the first thing you look for now, and I think a lot of people look for, is, is a culture within the business. I certainly like business with culture with a, a bit different a bit funky like like to give back etc and, and and highlander really ticked that box right from the first conversation we had together uh about fa- about you know family that that's the, the website when i did my due diligence the website family was a big thing and you, you have to go and experience it and for the last three four five months or whatever it is now i've absolutely experienced that highlander family and it's took me back to my f- my first ever job which was working hard and playing hard and you know and that's exactly what we do as a as a business now we we, we work hard but we also play hard you know with with the, with the culture that we do have in the business no, brilliant it is it's, it's been really fun working with you so far um, obviously we'll be, we'll be playing hard together sort of many many times I I've hope no so doubt. yes um, and yeah no it's great well thanks so much for joining me um, and thanks to Highlander for joining Unlimited I'm no really looking forward so. to working together yeah, mate. looking forward to it Hey, it's Jill Theobald, the lead features writer for Unlimited. This month, I've had the great pleasure of chatting once again to Jill Thomas, founder of Future Life Wealth Management. Back in October last year, Jill shared her inspirational personal and professional story with me and Unlimited in a bid to inspire employers and employees during the pandemic. And what a cover story of self-discovery and belief and building herself back up from the lowest point to where she was empowered to start her own business in 2009. Now, as part of our education, skills and training special, Jill and I caught up once again in 2021. And here are just a few of her wise words on building her dream team at Future Life and recruiting, nurturing and retaining staff. I never thought 12 years ago that one of my most important roles was actually creating the future employees. And now I realise that really is important, not only for me, I've had a damn good life out of this occupation and it's given me some some fantastic rewards. I've now got to create the baton to hang on to the next generation coming in. But as an industry, we are desperate for new blood and I enjoy seeing them grow. You know, literally on a daily basis, you'll hear a silly question and you think, don't intervene, they've got to learn their own way. It's like having children in here and just watching Mm. them grow. Mm. Nurturing. Yeah. Now, there's a couple of other things that we've done. We've, we've also put three, we're just going through the fourth member of team that have gone through the Advanced Leadership Programme with Andy Hanselman. The first three were supported by uh, Sheffield City Region. Uh, mm-hmm. The fourth one we couldn't get a grant for. Um, but this is developing them as individuals. But Keely, we've put her through a, a, with an, a confidence coach called Jules Wyman. She's positive belief. She's up in York. 
Jules and I have known each other for about 14, 15 years. And I just thought Keely would benefit from having somebody that coached her how to deal with issues, anxiety, things of that nature. She taught her box breathing. You've probably done it. I have as well, mm. you know, in for three or four, yeah. hold for three or four, out for three or four. It just calms you down. Mm. But that kind of thing has made her just grow and blossom. And they yeah. say cheap stuff. I mean, when I look at my training money over the last 14, 15 months, I probably spent 20, 22,000 pounds on investing into people mm-hmm. so far. And there's a lot more to go with the two apprentices. Mm-hmm. But the rewards are that they're trained the right way to get the right outcomes. None of this naughty shortcuts, you know, mm-hmm. you do it the right way. Yeah. And it's nice because you're developing them personally as well as professionally by building up their, you know, their coping skills as well. Yeah. But Jill, I think that's important. You know, I don't think you just get somebody nine to five. I think you get them 24 hours a day. Mm. And if you can help them, particularly in the current climate, Mm -hmm. to be in the situation of understanding how you manage situations. I think from an education point of view, we owe it now to support the next generation. Mm. Now, however we do this, financially, inspirationally, mentoring they're going to need support now coming out of this pandemic in a, mm. in a way that we've probably never seen the way that we have to mentor and support now going forward do you know what it is great to be back after our little summer break and some really really good stuff in this episode i hope you found rob's top recruitment tips useful and good luck if you're starting a recruitment process anytime soon now look we're always open to your feedback and any ideas you might have for things we could do in future episodes please do get in touch the unlimited podcast is hosted by captivate.fm the easiest way to create and distribute your podcast and it's presented and produced by me james marriott for sound media find out more about us at sound find out more at wearesoundmedia.com and if you'd like to find out a bit more about possibly creating a podcast for your business then please drop me a line james at unlimitedbusiness.com that's james at unltdbusiness.com catch up with the current issue of the magazine if you haven't already at unlimitedbusiness.com or keep an eye out for a copy in places right across south yorkshire take care and we'll see you next month